0: Right, good morning, all you cafe big owners. Good morning, Jacob. Good morning, Ant. How are we doing today? Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Jacob.
1: Good morning, everybody. Yeah, I'm feeling that song even more today with everything that's going on and these ETF wrinkles coming around. It's like
0: people better hurry up. Yep. Club's better hurry up. That price action has been pretty crazy. I'm kicking myself. Actually, there are a couple of things that I needed to put in place. And, you know, it's just one of those things. I see this happen all the time, man. I have clients talking to me. I hear this all the time. Everybody wishes they would have taken action at specific points of time previous, but you know, things happen.
2: You know, I was talking to uh, an individual last night who yesterday um, had their four hundred and one k converted to to Bitcoin, and was lamenting the fact that uh, it had been converted at the absolute top of yesterday's price. And I told them, maybe you need to frame that a little differently because when Bitcoin hits sixty k or wherever price discovery ends up. You're going to kick yourself for not having sold the house, gotten a second mortgage, whatever it was that you needed to do to buy more BTC. So it's all just a matter of how you frame things.
0: Yeah, all true, man. It doesn't it doesn't change, though. Humans are really interesting in that like that emotional kind of thing. Uh, I think it's very hard for any human to go through their life and not have those kind of regrets at some point. I mean, if they've been exposed to to Bitcoin, not everybody has a shot at, at accumulating an asset that ends up 10xing, 100xing, 1000xing, 10,000xing. Whoa whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? What do you mean? Everybody has a shot at Bitcoin. There's no, there's, it's an even playing field for the first time in, in, uh, in the history of humanity. Uh, everybody has an equal opportunity to acquire a uh, Bitcoin and, you know, if they don't, well, bad on them, I suppose.
0: I, okay. You misunderstood. Well, I think you misunderstand what I was saying. That's exactly what I was saying. And Maybe I just said it in a way that you didn't understand. <laughs> I was saying that many people will go through their life and they'll never have a shot at collecting an asset like that. But now you do is what i was getting at. oh
2: i just didn't let you finish because i love interrupting sorry
0: yeah
1: yeah these feelings don't go away either like i still feel them you know like been in bitcoin for six plus years now you know and you you look back there was a lot of stacking that i should have done looking back like you know when i look back at the last cycle like even with your activities is as much as you do, and whatever it is, you build your little bags, and then now you're in the next cycle. Y'all are about to go through this. And then it's you're gonna look back at this, at these levels, and it's like, I could have stacked more there. I could have stacked more there. I could have saved my money, you know. I still go through it. And there's always that specter of like what might have been. But for me, I found a lot of solace in just living on the buy side. I was going through some of my old screenshots last night and I was like seeing my, my old like trading days and, and just like all these old screenshots I used to send my friends and family and stuff. And, you know, it's like, there's this feeling like you're missing out and that you've somehow missed the boat. You've missed the opportunity and it's painful sometimes because you're like, man, if I would have only stacked more back then. And I can tell you in the next cycle, we're probably going to all feel that crap again. Look back during these four years and like, what could we have done differently? The only thing I can really do is just keep staying on the buy side. Just keep saving my money. Keep saving my money in a spot that, that I trust and that can't be stolen away from me.
3: That's literally like all I can do.
0: Nate, good morning. I hope you are not deep in the matrix today. Mic check one two. You sound horrible. Um.
2: <laughs> so i I'd like to I'd like to tell people I've only been in Bitcoin for for less than three years, with twenty 2020, twenty February 2021, 22, 23. So what is that two and a half years, something like that? Anyways, I, I just like to 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 tell people that you need to find a community. You need to find community to stack with. Uh, I was extremely lucky. I ran into Stack Chain uh, in what was it September of of uh, August or September of uh, uh, 2022, and I stacked my ass off. I stacked so much corn below below 24k. I've got receipts for 15k corn, and I would not have stacked nearly as much. And had nearly as much fun had i not been with that particular community you don't have to be with that community but i am telling you you need to find community to stack with to talk with to 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 be involved with uh Cafe Bitcoin is one of them, Uh, Simply Bitcoin. There's all kinds of Twitter communities, but it's even better if you have like a real interaction with the individuals in those communities because it drives you to stack more. It just cements your conviction. And I'm telling you, there is nothing like being around a bunch of Bitcoiners. And it's just the most amazing thing. And this is why going to PB or any of the other, um, Events, uh, conferences is super important because you get to make those connections, those real life connections, and you get to have somebody that you can rely on and a community that you can rely on to ask questions and to further your progression down the rabbit hole. I ask Ant and Wicked and Alex. Uh, I ask them stuff all the time about things that I'm looking at and directions that I'm going Um, sometimes just to ensure that I'm going the right way or to get some feedback about it. And I also ask my friends in stack chain, there's an incredible amount of experience that you can find uh, in a community that you can be with uh, on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, that's something that, that I observed is, at least from my perspective the people before me probably wouldn't agree but at least from my perspective this cycle benefited from like things like spaces and and you know i guess even clubhouse i'm not on clubhouse but the idea that you could have a place to like just talk about bitcoin just constantly in in real time i think that that had a good effect like a feedback loop because in the last cycle at in the dog days like in 2019 and stuff i mean it was It's just you and Twitter and like your friends and family in real life that don't believe and haven't been talking to you because like it fell down so bad from whenever you finally got them off zero back in 2018 or whatever. And now it's like, it's just you alone. So yeah, it's, it's been something nice in this cycle, at least where we've been able to talk about it like every single day.
0: I hear that a lot from people in our audience who, uh, you know, they'll DM and they'll, they'll express that at one point or another, you know, during the, during the bottom, during the bear, during the winter, whatever you want to call it, you know, it can, it can look pretty bleak and people start questioning themselves. You know, did I make a mistake here? It's a big mistake. And you know, we hear it. We hear it in DMs. We hear it in emails, all that kind of stuff, where they're just like, hey, thanks for keeping keeping doing this. Like The signal is, is good, and it just keeps us focused and on point and helping us realize we're not crazy. We're not crazy people. All right. Well, good morning. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. Our mission for this show is to provide the signal in a sea of noise, teach the other 7 billion people on the planet why there is hope, Because of this bright orange future that we call Bitcoin, today's show, we're going to be discussing some basic Bitcoin Q&A as well as covering some of the Bitcoin news. But we'll just start off right from the get-go. You know, anybody who wants to talk about Bitcoin has basic Bitcoin questions, feel welcome to come up uh, and ask the question. We will be kind to you, I promise. You can also ask questions on our Telegram group. That's t.me forward slash cafe Bitcoin club. Again, t.me forward slash Cafe Bitcoin Club. Some of you who listen to us on the podcast sometimes hear us mention the Nest. We've had these requests a lot where it's like (laughs) people will DM or email and they're like, you keep talking about the Nest. What the hell is that? Because they don't join us on Spaces, so they don't know. We're going to be posting all of the links that we're sticking in the Nest live in Spaces in the Telegram group from now on. So if you are a podcast listener and you want to see what those links are you can join us there and get those links after every show peter what's up
2: so um i was watching cnbc this morning and a guy came on um and he was talking about you know of course uh, andrew ross sorkin was pushing him about why we should not invest in crypto and you know blah 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 whatever what the fuck. but his main His main um, contention was that idiot. Well, first of all, as soon as he said that you can't influence it, I was like, oh, yeah. All right. Well, you know, there you go. You're a you're a contillionaire and obviously you want to be able to influence the the money. And if you can't, well, then there goes your edge. But one of the lizard
0: mask comes off and the lizard is revealed.
2: Yeah, It's follow the money, right? I mean, it's it's this is the one thing that 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 one of the one of the things that that. Bitcoin maxis have, have really taught me, has really drilled into me. I knew this beforehand, but they've really drilled it into me. It's follow the money. So anyways, but one of his main FUD contentions was about the idea that Bitcoin is not evenly distributed. So there's these individuals or entities that have huge amounts of Bitcoin. And I was wondering if maybe somebody on stage could speak to um, the, you know why that is not uh,
0: accurate. You know, well, something before we jump into that, though, something I love, I love doing is immediately train your brain to turn the attack back on them. Okay. So for example, I was watching a video that just came out where someone was asking Chairman Powell, the, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, basically that they made the statement that that digital assets are like $1.2 trillion in, in market value right now. And then there, and then he asked the question, so do you think this thing has staying power? Basically, is it going to continue to be around? And Powell was like, yeah, it seems like it has staying power. And then he goes on to make the comment, but it's also half of its value from where it was like a year ago or something like that. And all of these kind of attacks, you need to, in the, in my opinion, the instinct is you need to bring up a mirror and shine it right back at them because the lizards don't like the mirror. All right. So in that moment, my brain immediately went, okay, well, the U.S. dollar has lost 98 point something percent of its value since the inception of the Federal Reserve. So what's your point? Right. So same question could be asked of, of what Sorkin was trying to say. It's like, well, so what are you trying to say? The U.S. dollar is evenly distributed? Or maybe are are you benefiting from the Cantillionaire effect? Hmm? Mr. Sorkin? Go ahead, Ian.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hear this a lot. And I don't agree fundamentally that everyone on planet Earth has to have, like, the same amount of money. I know there's this whole concept of, like, and 1% and us versus them and the elites and the lizards and they have all the money and we have not. Yeah. I understand all of that. They're stealing from us. They built a system to rob us all. I get it all. But within that system, within that framework, there's people and the people are earning money and they're working and doing their lives. And some people are luckier than others. Some people are closer to the spigot than others. We know all that. But Money is fluid and liquid and it moves around and people store it, people hoard it, people spend it, people earn it, people save it. And some people are going to have more money than you. And some people are going to have more Bitcoin than you. And some people have thousands of Bitcoin and you're not going to ever get it. It's just, you know, it, it doesn't have to be like everybody has the same amount of Bitcoin. I just don't agree with that stuff. When people start speaking in those terms, I just kind of tune out a little bit.
0: Yeah, you also gotta you also gotta remember that, like to me, so what? like if if you have a choice of two monies, you've got u s. dollars or you've got Bitcoin. the u s. dollars is guaranteed to lose purchasing power over time. The Bitcoin is pretty much, in my opinion, guaranteed to go up in purchasing power over time. If you reset the board and everybody had to start at zero, you would still be better off. I mean, does, there's does nothing. It go, does it go at up in purchasing
2: power, Alex, or does it just not lose purchasing power?
0: No, I think it goes up in purchasing power because you've got this fake monetary premium premium in assets right now. That is not real. It's, it's, a uh, it's an illusion that's been created because of all the, the fiat inflation. So, I think it goes up in purchasing power because what's going to happen is, is that the, the value or the, or the premium in those, those types of assets because of the inflation will come out over time. By the way, I want to shout out to tip NZ who's a, uh, hey, she just joined us on the stage. Thanks for coming tip NZ. For those of you who don't know is the, the creator of Cantillionaires game, which is a song that we have played in this space every morning for over a year I think it's been a while so tip thanks for joining us so cool to have you here I'm pretty fired up
4: that's awesome thanks for having me I can't believe you guys have played that every single time that's hilarious
0: I love it
1: it fires me up every morning literally like I join the space and it's already playing and it's like I get pumped
0: you have no idea like people rock out to it. Like we play it every day and like this room is full of people who are fist bumping constantly listening to that song. It's the best.
2: Fanboy. That's so cool. I, I don't admit. Think I can it.
1: Say it. <laughs> I'm fanning. I'm fanning a little bit.
2: Oh no, I'm fanboy. I wasn't saying you Alex, I'm fanboy. <laughs> that's, that's
4: so cool. It's very kind of you guys.
0: <laughs> Tip, you know what you should do? Maybe create a lightning address and post it somewhere that we can use. And then every day after we play the song, we'll say, Hey guys, everybody, tip, tip.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's a great name. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll do. Absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing me on stage. And um, I just released another one um, called Bank Today. So yeah, it was cool. Um, cool reactions so far.
0: Awesome. I see the tweet. Uh, let's stick it in the nest. She just has a new song out there. What was the inspiration for the new song? What's, the, what's it about, if you want to talk about it a little bit?
4: Yeah, it's just like everything that's been happening at the start of this year. Well, Ripple um, Effect from the end of last year and all the banking crisis and all the bank runs. and um, It's just like the stuff that we've been talking about for a decade playing out and it's all coming to a head. And um, I guess everyone realizing the pain of um, the fiat system And all this news about, you know, uh, banks failing. And it's like, the coiners have seen this all along, but now people are starting to feel the effects of it. And it's like, there needs to be something said about that. I mean, everyone's writing about that and speaking about that, but I wanted to put my own spin and my, my own take on it. So yeah, that was the inspiration.
0: That's very cool. Okay, it's now nested. So anybody who wants to go check that out can do so. Um, yeah, I haven't heard it yet. So I'm definitely going to check that out after the show today. So awesome stuff. One thing about Cantillionaire's game that I will tell you that is very powerful. Like, you know how you specifically, you know how you do that thing where it's like move value out of the system and basically we create our own thing. It's so many, it gets me freaking. mm, like aunt said, it gets me fired up every single time. I mean, it's been, we've been playing the thing for like a year and it still gets me fired up.
5: Oh my yeah. god, the, the,
2: the beat tip, the beat on the new one when it drops is so. Oh my god, it's so awesome! I just listened to it.
4: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and it's like, like it's the message of Bitcoin that is so powerful that every time it's like when something happens and you just know that fi- Bitcoin is like that thing that that fixes it, and you're just like, oh, that's like you know. And and the new one where I talk about um, Bitcoin is like think of it like land, it, like it doesn't move, but each piece each, each satoshi is a particular part of the land that you can unlock with your key, and a lot of people still miss like don't understand that Bitcoin isn't something that moves around. Like coins aren't stored in your wallet. So that was kind of the main thing for this particular video, and it's like that's that was my aha moment of like how do I link um, educating Bitcoin and and what the true. Um, like the, the, how do you interact with Bitcoin with actually the, the failings of this current system? And there's always something with Bitcoin, like you said, in the Contillionaire's game that you're like, oh, you move the value out of that system. And, you know, there, there's always that something that you have that aha moment, that orange-pilling moment that I always want to capture in at least like one of the songs. And it's like that's that's the main theme. So it's like I'm, I'm so glad that you get it and I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that.
1: It's cool. I can hear your voice in the song when you, when you speak.
0: <laughs> well, it's, you know what, it's like that moment of move. It, it tells you that you have the power to do something about it. And, and that's the part that's really powerful because I feel like so many people have felt disempowered in that they, there's just nothing they can do about the system. And this is something we can all do about the system and it's very empowering.
4: Absolutely. And I mean, like, <laughs> you see people starting to get it but they don't know Bitcoin's answer but they know that there's something wrong and that's like the first step. That was the first step to everyone's orange pill moment, right? Like, oh, there's something not, not quite right. But it's like, it's so exciting when people are like, oh my God, there's a solution. Like, we can actually, we, we, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be scared. And it's just like, I don't know about you guys, but like Bitcoin is just, ah, like like I I think about it every day, listen to, you know, all these amazing podcasts and all these way smarter people. And it's just like, that is my mind 24 seven now. And it's just like, it's so much better than before. And it's just, it gets you excited to like your DNA level. I don't know. It's just something about it. And so creating songs and stuff about it, it's just like, uh, it's a passion. It's like, it's such a awesome freaking gift to be able to
0: do that so yeah well i would say that you're a gift to the space like we rock out to that thing every single day i I think it's touched a lot of people i've had a lot of comments about it i see no reason to change it like well we will keep rocking out to that song every day uh and i'm glad you came definitely want to do what we can to help you and and further assist you and continuing to create amazing songs and content like that. Cause you have a gift for this stuff.
2: I don't know, Alex, after you listen to this new one, we might have to, we might have to switch it up and play both. Cause this new one's pretty freaking good.
0: Okay. We'll check it
6: out. I just want to say as a fellow Kiwi, um, I'm really proud of what you've, uh, what you've accomplished. Um, and I, I also wanted to say, I've, I've got family back home and I'm trying to explain to them that, With the New Zealand dollar being uh, sixty cents to the U.S. dollar, the effect um, is more you know profound on New Zealanders than it is in the U.S. because of the strength of the dollar. And I'm I'm just it's really um, it's hard to try and get people um, to try and understand that. But you know, I think maybe that's where. You know your music comes in so anyway just wanted to say thank you very much proud of you kia kaha and uh yeah I, I actually went to school for film so in the future if you ever need any help with some um music videos i'd love to help out
4: that's so cool. And Kia ora, that's awesome to meet a fellow Kiwi. If your family wants to learn more about Bitcoin, come to BitKiwi's meetups. They're, they're in Auckland, in Wellington, in Christchurch. Um, happy to help Orange pull you, <laughs> your family.
6: Sweet. Thanks, Tip.
0: So cool. Uh, good morning to Orange. A good sign. Thanks for joining us. What do you got?
7: Hey, Alex. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me out. Hey, I, I, so I approach. I, I know everyone approaches Bitcoin kind of from their own their own angle. I you know I understand it more from the the finance sound money side, not so much the technical side. But I, I have a technical question that I've been trying to um, kind of square in my head, um, but can't really get to the bottom of. I was hoping someone could um, give me what I what I think is a pretty simple answer. So so I understand that a lot of the beauty and resilience in Bitcoin is the uh, kind of disconnect from the analog world uh, aside from the energy input there's it's kind of exists on its own, you know in the decentralized manner, and there's not really any um, I guess like centralized points of failure that interact with it. Um, and as a result, you know I've heard people refer to it as you know the time chain and how you can look at his uh, history through kind of like the the sequential nature of the blocks and and that's kind of like a a way to view time. But what I can't understand is when the difficulty adjustment adjusts every couple weeks um, so that blocks are mind at roughly the 10 block or 10 minute interval, how, how does the protocol know what 10 minutes is in order to kind of, to adjust to that? Could, could anyone chime in on that and, and help me understand? Cause I know it's not like referencing a, a clock at you know some news source or something, but does anyone have a simple insight on that?
1: Well, I mean, every header, every block has the header from the last block, and there's timestamps in the system. So,
7: and so, what, it, but what I guess when you say there's timestamps in the system, what, um, what, what I guess clock is that stamp coming from? Is that and. I apologize every,
8: for not being every, technical every, at all, but... Every, every node for, every yeah, node yeah. Is, is on a computer, you know, connected to the internet. And every computer has an internal clock or one that it's, you know, <laughs> that it has going, I guess. And so when a miner mines a block, they just stamp it with whatever time they mined it at. And then the nodes, you know, they get it when it propagates to the network. And I think there might be... and do you know if there's a mechanism in place for... Nodes checking whether the timestamp you know matches a relative you know plus or minus amount of time that they that they have on their own clock. I think there there might be a mechanism so that you can't like kind of you know fudge a timestamp.
7: Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is you know, let's say somebody was able to somehow commandeer a bunch of uh, you know internal clocks on various computers. I recognize you know the decentralized nature helps with this, but I just didn't understand that that mechanic that you're referencing.
8: Yeah, this is something admittedly I have not looked into. I've thought about it and I know like, you know, he talks about it sometimes in some of his presentation, he's kind of dumbs it down, but, but I don't know technically exactly what's going on there.
7: Okay, cool. I appreciate that. I'll I'll keep doing some research, but um, obviously it's a very simple concept that, uh, Obviously, plenty of people have thought about, and the protocol's robust enough to do um, not need to worry about that. I, I just couldn't understand
1: um, how it works. I, I
7: appreciate it, guys.
1: Yeah. With so one thing this? to consider, one one last thing too, is that you know the the system of record in, in your in in a sense, it's like once these blocks get you know uh, found or whatever you want to say, then you know it it that's the timestamp. Like, if you go back and you look at the last block, like, you'll see the timestamp. So it's, I don't know how far they would get. You know what I mean? Like, this thing keeps stamping itself, so
0: so to speak, if I'm explaining it correctly.
9: Am I clear? Can you can you hear me?
0: Yeah, yes, pretty yes. good. However, Jim okay. was first. So one second, Nate. Sir for Jim, good morning. What's up, brother?
9: Hey, good morning. Thanks for letting me up. I had a quick question regarding this. Is there a chance, you technical guys might know this, or maybe can even find out, is there a chance that the software, uh, certainly the mining software, w- is simply counting seconds um, relative to the last block that um, was confirmed, in such a way that potentially the system has just been monitoring uh, seconds, uh, you know, as determined by you know the vibration of a quartz crystal for 14 years now, and the timestamp that a computer. What's on that we can read as with a with a calendar date and a clock time is less important. Is that even possible?
8: Thanks, guys. No, it's all based on on timestamp headers, so it's it's just self-reported times. And I mean, by the way, let's say I mean you know one of the things to consider. So I mean, the reason why we might be asking this is like could a miner fudge some 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 you know timestamps in their headers and then you know maybe successfully fifty one percent attack because they're just saying <laughs> they mined a shit ton of blocks like in the past, right? Well, what's gonna happen is if if they are doing that, I mean the difficulty will adjust on their own on their own node, right? So like the, the blocks they're trying to mine, first of all, I mean they have to be valid in the first place. So they have to meet some difficulty threshold in the first place. And then if they are mining them too rapidly you know with this like false block header block time header then the difficulty will adjust accordingly and then it'll just get harder and harder to mine for their own little you know play system they're trying to trying to get going so like the difficulty is 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 something that's built into the software and every node that gets a a block that a miner propagates or or, or is saying that they have mined is checking to make sure it's all correct, right? They check the, the times blocks are coming in. They check the difficulty that's been calculated previously. They make sure that, you know, the block is valid in all of these different ways. So it, I don't think it's not, you know, it, it's it, it might not be possible at all, but it's definitely not easy to spoof the system. I mean, it's clearly, <laughs> clearly no one's done it. So, yeah. D++ has
9: explained this issue a couple of times, so take this, this is hearsay, and I'm not going to be perfect, but she does admit that it is an approximation based on multiple nodes confirming the time, because the space time is not uh, exactly perfect across the globe. We're spinning, time is changing, The sun. one day is not exactly 24 hours, so there is some guesstimation, but that kind of gets fixed at the end of the, the difficulty adjustment because of the adjustment.
0: That was very opaque, but we're going to roll with it. Um, One other thing that might be important to note is that this is how we can predict with pretty good accuracy how many Bitcoin will be added to the network over what period of time. This is also how we know that In order to get to the final block, the final subsidy, I should say, where Bitcoin is being added to the existing supply, that's how we know it's like, I don't know what's the number, and like 140 years from now or something like that. And every year, 2140, thank you. And every four years, the amount of Bitcoin being added to the available supply actually gets cut in half. And this is a very, very important mechanism and dynamic in Bitcoin. Because what it means is this is ex- almost exactly the opposite of the United States dollar. It's almost the exact opposite of what they do with dishonest money. So, with dishonest money, they just print unfathomable amounts of it out of thin air. We're in the trillions now. You know, I, there was a stat just the other day that we were talking about where since the beginning of the United States, It took, I don't know, something like 200 years to, to do like seven, the first seven trillion or something like that. And I may not have the numbers exactly right, but it's close to this. And then we did another seven trillion just in the last three years, guys. It's so crazy. And then with Bitcoin in the beginning, in the first four years of Bitcoin's existence, we call it the first epoch every 10 minutes. If you were mining Bitcoin, there were 50 bitcoins that were rewarded to miners as, as subsidies. And then four years after that, that number got cut in half to 25 every 10 minutes. And then four years after that, it got cut in half again to 12.5 every 10 minutes. And now it's like six point, what is that? 6.25. And then in April of next year, it will be three point something. So the thing you got to understand is, is that the supply, the issuing supply is tightening constantly. And because you have people who are figuring out what Bitcoin is, then you have the, the, what I call the hodler effect, right? These are people who are like, yeah, man, I'm going to keep this and hold on to it. And I don't plan on transferring it back in the United States dollars. Well, what does that mean? That means there is less and less Bitcoin available to buy. And this is why mathematically speaking, you know, when you hear a sailor say things like it's going up forever, Laura, he's an engineer. He's done the math and the math is really not that hard. It's hard to wrap your mind around it because the human tendency is to go, wow, that sounds really crazy. Is that even possible? But the math is actually very simple. It's basically everything in existence divided by 21 million, less than 21 million, actually. Nate.
9: Without looking it up, can anybody name the last year the U.S. national debt was actually decreased? it was 1957
1: yeah fred fred website you know they they keep track of all this data and uh they have a a chart that shows just what you're talking about alex it's like the money supply across the fiat money supply across time and it's this like horizontal line that's just kind of barely trending up to the right over like since like 1970 like they show it like all the way back or however far it's like this tiny little increase and then it was i guess 2020 and it goes straight up (laughs) it's crazy like it goes straight up like a, a a god candle but like for fiat demon candle
0: Okay, so we still have Tip N Z here. While she's here, I want to honor her being here because, like, I just again, I just really appreciate what she's done, the stuff she's created. Hey, Jacob, can you cue up her new song to play, and then let's actually play it live in the space. Let me know when you're ready. While we're waiting for Jacob to to do that, let's uh, welcome up Morpheus. What's up, man? Good morning.
1: Yo, what's up? Just uh, just got in here.
0: Okay, did you request to come up or is that like an accident? Do you have a question or something
3: to add? Uh, not right now,
0: not right now. Okay, so that was an accident. Okay, no worries. It happens all the time.
3: Can I ask a quick tip?
9: Do you have any preferred platform that you uh, offer your songs on for purchase or, or donation or anything like that?
4: Um, I don't... I, I don't. <laughs> but um, I am on Geyser and on Noster and stuff as well. So if you wanted to send whatever value you want on there, that's that's cool with me. <laughs> Thank you.
9: Hey Tip, do you mind? hit up your Twitter? <laughs> yeah,
0: cool. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. Tip, would you mind DMing um, either me or Jacob or both of us um, <clears throat> with whatever links that you have where people can donate and stuff to you and then we can like help hit that up every day. Will do. Thank you. Jacob, you ready? Do it. All right. This is the new song from Tippensy. The stated goal was economic stability, but after countless bank failures and crises, he realized the true intent of the bank cartel is to maintain money creation monopoly and pass losses to taxpayers.
4: These banks don't have your money, they lend it out for money, so you haven't hired you based on a pyramid scheme of credit. Biggest bank of them all creates new debt for more reserves, world bankers are running the show, cashing out to shareholders, now that don't look like money, just national scale kind of fitting, or you've been slaving away for something they can whip out of nothing. As dollars grow faster than output, there's more money Chasing the same things, driving up prices of goods The empire strikes back now with more inflation So they wave the wand of interest, decrease rates so we take more risk, Then they ramp it up to grift us, that's the floor with intervention I Don't need our permission for wealth distribution from the bottom to the top of the ranks Their only ambition is to rack up commissions cause we know banks, bank, bank The arc of world history moves towards building less corruptible tools Away from trusting admins that can keep on changing the rules but our banking system uh, is sound Why he take us for a fool? Y'all out there causing crisis Sit down, man, you about to get to school. Now, people want a kind of money that no one can ever mess with or see. So he engineered when out of reach from tentacles of this industry. Problem is then I've had a rival They later into deceit. I learned bankers' yes, propaganda, maybe think of it like this. <laughs> think of land that is out of bankers' hands. It can't expand. But if you own the land, its title transfers based on your command. Done by code as instructions run by nodes around the globe. Changing access to your zone, updating pieces that you own. All your pieces of Satoshis are your wealth of territory as you spend them coins ain't moving just a change in locking keys these are generated by seed words from wallet bats and misnomer they don't hold your coins but they can sign and be key stores what's the consequence of storing keys all inside our heads now we're taking wealth from bankers reaching to our minds instead multi-sig is stronger than a vault cause network's engineered bankers lose all their control they can no longer interfere now think of all the implications giving us the chance to build savings on a fixed denomination not volatility of inflation lay a stronger foundation to build for future generations and the feds creation bitcoin is the key to our salvation bitcoin gives us the ability to build wealth and economies that aren't dependent on world bankers on debt and inflation and politics those are the root causes of the biggest problems in the world today
2: this is what every 13 year old needs i mean you want education send them this
0: I got chills. That's how I know a song's good, when I get chills. Like, mm. All right, maybe we play it every day after Don't Shake Coin at the end. What do you think, Jacob?
10: Yeah, it's. it's uh, I think that'd be a good call for sure, man.
0: We'll try it out for a bit, see how it works. Definitely sticking with Cantelianer's game in the beginning every day still. I think somebody's going to have to make me change that shit. I could like too much.
2: A musical interlude at the top of the uh, first hour or a second hour. I mean, no first hour, eight
0: o'clock. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Bay. Good morning. What's up, man?
11: Dude, I'm just here, you know, just sitting here in awe that Tip NZ is on here. Tip, uh, uh, your your tracks are unbelievable. Your beats are fire. Your lyrics are fire, and uh, I think the music you make is incredible. So I'm going to spread it uh, furiously through uh, any any place I can. So uh, super pumped on that. Also, Alex, cool spot last night. I caught the tail end of it of the uh, uh, of the, the Bitcoin vets very cool show if anyone hasn't listened so uh just jumping in and uh saying what's up y'all thanks man can I, can I just um butt in for a second i i, I want
10: to kind of second
0: you're cutting in and out noodle
10: i'm back can you hear me
0: yeah go ahead
10: sorry i lost my data um yeah the tracks are unbelievable the production is just on point um and the lyrics were incredible. And you know, about ten years ago, I used to um, I used to do music myself. I produced a lot. I, I did quite a bit of rapping. I've got some tracks I can send you. I'm writing. Cut long story short, I've been writing a lyric for for a couple of weeks. I just never find the time to finish it off. Um, and yeah, but I, I'm going to send you a DM. And um, yeah, maybe we can link up and do a track.
4: For sure,
0: send it through. All right, shout out to Rowdy. I don't know if you're in the audience. I'm looking for you right now. Uh, Let's get Rowdy an invite. He just sent me and Jacob a wall of text in DM explaining the difficulty adjustment, and I am definitely not going to read this. So, if you want to come up here and explain it, I want to invite you to do so.
8: So if you guys collaborate, are you going to be called Noodle Tip?
0: (laughs) New track dropping with Noodle Tip. Or Tip of the Noodle. Shout-outs to you, Jeff. Go ahead.
11: I was just going to say, if Tip did a UTXO track, it could be Wicked Tip. Tip If you ever did a track on UTXOs, Wicked will literally
12: worship you forever.
0: All right. Shout outs to Dr. Jeff and Joe Carlosari Sorry in the audience. I was reading some of the, um, the BlackRock ETF pers- prospectus this morning. And as I suspected, it's modeled very closely uh, after... By the way, thanks for sending that to me, all of you who did. It's modeled closely after the GLD prospectus uh, in a couple of different ways, and it raises a lot of questions uh, in my mind about the potential for shenanigans here. The, the one part that uh, is especially concerning to me if you guys don't mind i'm just going to read it it's how the nav is calculated and also who is allowed to participate in the trust so the first thing to understand is that only authorized participants acting on authority of the registered holder of shares can surrender baskets or or uh, in exchange for bitcoin or give bitcoin to the trust in exchange for creation of shares so in other words it is a, it is a closed system where the people that only the people that they agree with the entities that they agree are allowed to be involved in this process can do so, which is exactly like the way the GLD works. So they have what's called authorized participants. It's basically who they pick. So they can, they can go out and they can pick all of their buddies uh, who are financial institutions and say to these guys, okay, voila, you have our blessings. You are now authorized participants to, um, act essentially as arbitragers for the trust. And this is the mechanism by which they will supposedly maintain the nav, uh, in line with the actual price of Bitcoin. Now there are people out there who are saying, well, this thing isn't really an ETF because they only have pricing once a day and blah, 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 whatever. There are plenty of ETFs already in existence that do it exactly like this, and uh, they're ETFs. So whether just because you don't like how they do that does not make it not fit the definition of an ETF. So I'm just going to throw that out there.
2: What what can you explain what the NAV is, Alex?
0: Okay, so NAV means the net um, the net asset value, meaning it's talking about the value of the the. Uh, underlying asset so the underlying asset in this case is going to be bitcoin and some cash they're going to have the bitcoin spread out amongst uh what they're calling cold storage vaults uh and also hot wallets they have to have some in hot wallets if they're creating and redeeming shares depending upon how complicated the cold storage is uh so when you get to institutional kind of digital custody there's different protocols that different custodians are using for this kind of thing. Some of them are incredibly complex and uh, difficult for purposes of physical security, et cetera, et cetera. Don't want to get into that. Point is, it's the assets, right? All the Bitcoin, all the cash. Cash will be held by Bank of New York Mellon as the custodian. The Bitcoin assets so far, as far as we know, is going to be Coinbase. Um, And then the way that the shares are created and redeemed are through this process where they will issue 40,000 shares at a time where they will redeem 40,000 shares at a time in what they're calling a basket. Now, again, this is almost exactly like GLD. However, in GLD, the baskets are a hundred thousand shares at a time. Now that that's all fine in nanny, whatever GLD has been around for a long, long time. It's worked fine. Um, this is where things in my opinion, start to get a little weird. And I want to ask the opinions of guys like Joe and Dr. Jeff, et cetera, if they have any thoughts on this. We don't have to talk about it today. I know these guys are very busy, and sometimes they can't come up here because they're actually doing other things. But this how this is the part that leaves a little room for weirdness, in my opinion. It's how they describe the NAV calculation. Now, the first part about it, I mean, they go through and they say that they're going to use this CF benchmark thing. And the CF benchmark is basically an index. They say on each business day, as soon as practicable, after 4 p.m. Eastern time, the trust is going to evaluate the Bitcoin held by the trust as reflected by the CF benchmark index and determine the net asset value of the trust. Okay, and then they go on to explain what the CF benchmark index is. It's basically created to facilitate financial products based in Bitcoin, serves as a once-a-day benchmark rate of the U.S. dollar price of Bitcoin. It's calculated at 4 p.m. Eastern, and it aggregates trade flow of different exchanges during a window between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. And the exchanges that it is using to calculate this number is based are Coinbase, Bitstamp, ItBit, Kraken, Gemini, and LMAX Digital. So that's all fine and Danny. Great. You get once a day pricing. Uh, that's how they calculate the nav. Um, and that's fine. However, there's this one interesting little piece here that is kind of interesting. Uh, it says the sponsor has the exclusive authority to determine the net asset value of the trust, which it has delegated to the trustee under the trust agreement. The trustee has delegated to the trust administrator the responsibility to calculate the net asset value of the trust based on the NAV, yada, yada, blah, 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 um, based on, this, on the CF index, et cetera. The trust administrator will determine the net asset value of the trust each business day, yada, yada. Uh, but again, here's the part that is, is a little sketchy to me in determining the net asset value of the trust, the trust administrator values the Bitcoin held in the trust based on the index. Great. Unless otherwise determined by the sponsor in its sole discretion. So what that means is they're saying, okay, yeah, well, we're probably going to use the CF index to calculate the value of the assets, otherwise known as Bitcoin in the trust. however, in its sole discretion, it can basically arbitrarily decide what the hell the NAV is. That's a little concerning because there's a if if the only players here are the ones that they approve, there's a lot of room for shenanigans here. I'm glad that Joe Carlosari came up. Good morning, Joe. What do you think about all that?
12: Uh, yeah, so it's not different from many trust structures as you uh, had outlined. Um, technically the same language is f- uh, present in the SBY trust structure, that they can sort of use their sole discretion. I will tell you as a practical matter, it seldom ever happens. They're going to use the, the benchmark index set by the CME. That's how they're going to calculate the NAV. There's The more concerning uh, uh, provision that is unique to this particular trust structure is their discretion whether or not to issue shares. I haven't seen that in another trust vehicle. Even the GLD does not have that discretion. They have to issue it uh, to bring it in line with the NAV. So that's a little weird. Um, I don't know why they decided to elect that structure. And keep in mind, you know, they're not bound by this. They can actually amend this the, it after approval with some certain conditions. Uh, it's called the final registration statement versus the preliminary one that's filed. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, obviously, you know, you have to realize with these vehicles that you're putting your faith in the sponsor and the custodians and uh you know they're they're supposed to accurately reflect it uh to me i think it puts more influence on um the futures contracts you're going to have to have people who um because that you can't thoroughly hedge with the etf it were if it were approved you're going to have to have people that are professional players uh driving a volume in the futures contracts to hedge and you'll see more of that so i expect ultimately the approval of the etf to drive more activity on the futures
0: Okay. Uh, we've also got Dr. Jeff. Good morning. I don't know if you heard the question from before.
13: Hey, I didn't, but good morning, Alex, and uh, morning, Joe. Morning, everybody. Hope y'all are doing well.
12: The, yeah, the question, as I understood, is just about the discretion, uh, effectively, to you know determine the NAV, which is, like I said, that's not, uh, not unique.
0: uh, Jeff, have you read the prospectus for uh, the BlackRock ETF, the proposed language?
13: I I only skimmed it, and I'm by no means an expert, so
5: I I defer everything to Joe. All
0: right. Terrence, good morning. Do you have any thoughts on this?
5: Uh, Sorry, I was multitasking. What's the question? (laughs) apologize.
0: Right. So the point that Uh I had brought up is is that it's very concerning to me that, and and Joe points out that this is normal uh, for a lot of ETFs, but Uh the thing that seems a little weird to me is that if they can determine the value of the assets at their sole discretion. And then in addition to that, the only people who can create and redeem shares in the trust are the people that they appoint and agree are allowed to do it. There's some serious room for shenanigans. Like if they, let's say the price of Bitcoin is 50 K right. And then in their sole discretion, they say, okay, yeah, but we're valuing the assets of the trust at 25 K Bitcoin. Right. Right. And Uh, only the people that they say are allowed to participate can create uh, and redeem shares. Well, then there's room for all kinds of like shady stuff to go
5: on there. Yes, I kind of think, yes, um, up to a point. So these are always drafted, number one, with boilerplate that Joe had alluded to. Uh, And number two, The lawyers drafted so you have as much discretion as is permitted, but there might be laws. I'm actually not sure because I'm not a um, kind of public trust ETF expert or anywhere near it. I got to think there's some fiduciary or some responsibility of a BlackRock type to not screw over the investors so easily. And then the last point I'd make is. Well, okay. My relative. question it's to like- you
0: then as an attorney is if they're putting yeah. it in black and white in the prospectus and literally saying these are the rules, is that still screwing over the investors? Because they're literally saying we can do this. And yeah. if you agree, then you agree. I mean, that's the nature of a contract, is it not?
5: Yes, but okay. Yes. However, contract law has evolved because of crap like what you're talking about over the years so that there's still minimum kind of standards, especially in finance, whether it's case law or
12: some statute public or whatever.
5: Yeah. Public yeah. policy. Exactly.
12: Yeah. Just a way to think about it, this, and, if I, yeah, if I sorry, uh, Terrence, but just a simple way, if I make a contract with you, Alex, that you're my slave, no court's going to enforce that, right? Like it, it violates public policy. So just because it's written in the contract, this is something I think that, Folks uh, that don't live in this world every day don't don't understand just because something in black and white does not mean it's enforceable there's plenty of provisions that judges will strike down yeah. entities strike down if they find it if they find they're absolutely running afoul of what the whole purpose and intent of the document was they can strike down provisions so black and white does not mean it's resolved and there's no dispute
0: got it so super scammery in this case would basically have to require. The collusion of the authorized participants with the trust, and of course, any you know courts that <laughs> a case landed in.
5: Yeah, and and because of what Joe said, if a trial judge sided with BlackRock and BlackRock, which by the way is the least unethical, one of the least unethical uh, major companies in finance or companies in finance. Period. Uh, it's all relative, right? Just like the U.S. dollar, shit coin, but relative to other. Currencies, in my opinion, quite good. Uh, so, I was, was going to
0: ask you about that. I mean, is that, I mean, that's quite the opinion. You say that the least unethical, what do you base that on?
5: Just their reputation and behavior and lack of uh, jail time, alleged uh, sort of fraud, um, ripping off retail investors. They're not some bucket shop, boiler room operation, selling penny stocks, the fiat version of, or fiat company version of shit coins. They don't do that stuff. They're very institutional, very well respected. If you're kind of a statist or fiat elitist type minded person, um, and you know anything about finance, they're extremely credible, extremely kind of trustworthy. But again, it's relative among finance. I know A lot of bitcoiners hate all of wall street everybody's evil blah 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 but i would argue that there's you you could argue i i would say there's different degrees of evil and and then i and then i want to get back to um joe's public public policy point if a trial judge sides with blackrock and blackrock engages in these shenanigans in cahoots with you know the other players against the interests of the uh etf shareholders then It'll get reversed on appeal, and that trial judge is not going to have a very good career. They won't be respected. And a lot of these judges, what they're trying to do is have respect or get promoted to appellate court and then maybe to the Supreme Court, right? So, because they're all going to be federal court cases, it's it's a very small sort of fraternity to be a, um, a federal judge. Joe?
12: Yeah. So let, let me just tell you a more practical thing before it even got to litigation. Um, and there's some misinformation going out on uh, the Bitcoin Twitter about this. Um, I will guarantee with a high degree of confidence, okay, extremely high, that if an ETF is approved, if the black one will, BlackRock will approve, be approved, there will be multiple other ETF structures in place. So why does that matter? Because if you have a BlackRock entity that is approved and trading publicly and they start engaging in the shenanigans you're talking about, say, worst case scenario, very easy for people to vote with their dollars, pull out of that structure and go into another structure. It will happen in, in overnight if they're saying, wait a second, why is this trading at such a wide disparity to the actual price of Bitcoin? Uh, we're going to sell this. We're going to go into the GBTC, which has converted by then, or uh, the Wisdom Tree or, or the Fidelity or any other number of them. They will pull money like crazy. So Black, BlackRock has to face, ultimately, market participants and their decision of who they trust. And if they pull that kind of BS, they will lose capital overnight. It will fly out of their, um, their shares and it will go to vehicles that are uh, properly executing the spirit of what they're trying to do, which is reflect the spot price of Bitcoin.
11: Yeah, the way I see it and read that clause, Alex, is um, it, from BlackRock's point of view, it's more of a protection mechanism so they don't incur losses on any withdrawals uh, given the volatility of Bitcoin. That's the way I kind of read it is that, you know, they're not going to eat, eat, eat any loss if there's a, a rapid run. So they give themselves that, that freedom to make sure they can market, um, you know, accurately uh, and not incur losses.
0: Well, they're they're not going to incur losses. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that the trust actually works in a way where they're like the shares represent um, a partial ownership of the underlying assets of the trust. So it's like they're not incurring any losses. The, the the shareholders might be, but they don't incur losses.
11: Yeah. Okay. So the shareholders. I mean, yeah. But when they redeem. Shares, right? They're they're doling out Bitcoin for shares, a, a set amount. Yes. So yeah, shareholders, so that everyone else doesn't incur a loss on a, a shortfall.
9: Nate, what's up? Um, quick question. Can you hear me? Am I good?
0: No. Yeah. No. I can hear you. It just doesn't sound very good, Nate. We need to get you like either good internet or a better speaker because
9: it happens when the tower changes because I'm moving. Um, Quick question: Does this? I mean, devil's advocate here: Does this protect against the? Does this clause protect against the downside on volatile days? Like say the price gets cut in half or something like that, and they know the value will likely go back up, but they don't want to sell. At a lower price because even as they only check they they're checking the price one time a day bitcoin is fluid and constant like every second you're getting a new price could this clause be used to protect the fund in that manner
0: i don't know that's not a very slippery slope to me i suppose it could be but i mean now you're introducing all kinds of potential issues here like i mean now you're just arbitrary it sounds it yeah i don't know it's an arbitrary
9: clause that's why i kind of ask because it's you know it's up to the whims of whoever decides
0: let's keep rolling i don't think we know the answer to that isaac btc welcome good morning
9: good morning thanks for taking my question when when you were reading the uh contract of perspective something caught my attention and i wanted to ask a question about it um it says that it's checking the price only once a day. So what would prevent like a larger whale or, you know, some entity to like shift the price. Let's say it was two o'clock. If they shift the price at one fifty nine on the futures market and then like, you know, short the ETF and buy the futures or some combination of that to constantly mess with this ETF. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, anybody will be constantly messing with the ETF. I, I think that what you're proposing might be possible. If, I suppose in, in the short term, if if a player is big enough, that they might might be trying to capture some spread in between. But I don't think long term they're going to mess with the ETF. That will all be arbitraged daily. I don't see an issue there. Does anybody else have a thought on that, Joe or Jeff?
12: It's very common. It happens in a lot of different markets when you have multiple, you know, sort of competing markets. People hedge in the futures and and manipulate the spot. And I don't think that's manipulation. I'm using that in air quotes, but you know, that that's very common. It happens all the time. People take contrary positions because uh, net net, if they can move the price, even a few bips, uh, it's a huge, huge position uh, hedge for them. So um, I I would say nothing is the answer, but you you hope that if the market's sufficiently liquid and deep, it's not going to have the impact you're wanting. Keep in mind, when you, when you quote-unquote manipulate and all you're doing is really selling your shares, there's a cost to that. right? Jeff Bezos can go out there and say he's going to sell all his Amazon stock and try to dump it really quickly, and he will move the price. There is no doubt, right, because he holds a ton of the stock. That, in my mind, that's not manipulation. That's an economic actor choosing something that has a cost, and the cost is he loses his shares. And the the question is, if he does that, is there going to be market demand uh, to buy a, you know a 20% down swing in Amazon? I think there would be. I think people would come into the market rushing to buy those very quickly. And I don't see why Bitcoin would be any different. Imagine if you woke up tomorrow and Bitcoin's trading at 17K. I know dozens of people who would be salivating at that to buy those Bitcoin um, because they didn't do it last fall like they should have. Um, So, you know, that's not manipulation. That's a market.
13: yeah Yeah. i just second what joe has to say i i agree completely i think the term manipulation gets thrown around way too much personally i just think it's people acting in their own uh you know self interest uh and there are consequences to the upside and to the downside and so i tell people if if you're concerned you know whether or not it's manipulation that makes the price of an asset you like volatile then take advantage of the volatility right if if something happens and the bitcoin dumps to 17k as joe said I just say take advantage of it. Don't worry about whether or not it's manipulated. Uh, you know, use volatility to your advantage and, and so-called manipulation. So I just agree there. By the way, one other thing I wanted to add is, um, I'm not a legal expert, obviously, and, you know, but there's been just so much talk back and forth about BlackRock and are they, you know, nefarious or not? Do they have good intentions or not? Do they have things written in their, you know, in the legal documents so that they can basically bring down Bitcoin, take over control of Bitcoin, all that kind of stuff? You know, is this this Klaus Schwab hidden, you know, is it the WEF uh, behind all this, you know? What if what if Blackrock is just actually trying to take advantage of Bitcoin and make money on Bitcoin uh, and and they just see it as an asset that's here to stay uh, and they're just trying to create an entity uh, for people to invest in so they can make a butt ton of money on fees that's what I think is going on and I think uh, I don't think the sky is falling I don't think it's the end of Bitcoin I don't think the soul of Bitcoin will be lost uh, I do think this is all inevitable uh, and I, we've been literally talking about this for almost five years right the institutions are coming uh and so now the the infrastructure is just about ready for the institutions to come on board uh not quite there yet but it could be very soon and um i, I just think it's inevitable right so we so yes we ne- we still need to be vigilant right we need to make sure the soul of bitcoin isn't lost we still need to be working hard to build a parallel economy a parallel financial and monetary system uh, but I think this is going to incentivize that, right? The builders who are building uh, uh, and receiving Bitcoin as compensation, um, they're, they are incentivized to continue building as the price of Bitcoin goes higher. Uh, and so this will incentivize the, the building of, of this parallel infrastructure. So anyways... Maybe the sky isn't falling. There, I think there are reasons for optimism. Uh, personally, um, maybe you know. Let's be vigilant, but let's also not
10: uh, think that the world is ending just because these big players are entering the space.
1: Soccer speed confirmed.
10: Quick, super quick, guys. Uh, Jeff and Joe, I'd totally agree with your guys' take on that. And I think that, like, their own greed will be a major catalyst for Bitcoin's growth, whether they know it or not. Their own greed to make like fiat profits. So it's all bullish in the end. But um do you guys know just? part of my ignorance like how often are they and how transparent is sort of the update in terms of like the floating amount of shares that exist within the etf and that and the visibility of the bitcoin held by that etf is that something that's like real time updating or is that like settled once a day or like how, how does that work to be able to you, kind you, you, of you verify
12: sec regulations they have to publish that on a daily basis the shares that are floating and outstanding you have, you have to have that now the Bitcoin. That's a different story, and it's similar to the GBTC. There's no requirement that requires them to give sort of on-chain accounting of that. Uh, they do have to list how much Bitcoin is held. Uh, similar to the GBTC, it's virtually identical, actually, how much Bitcoin is held. But, you know, remember this weird myth that was uh, circulating Bitcoin Twitter about whether GBTC actually had the Bitcoin a few months back, or I can't remember. Time goes so fast. But that you'll have a similar scenario because... My understanding is, from talking to whether it's legitimate or not, from talking to uh, security professionals that are more knowledgeable than me, they tell me if there's legitimate reasons why they can't provide on-chain accounting of the Bitcoin, and I don't see anything in the registration statement that's filed that's going to require them to divulge the addresses for the Bitcoin they will he- hold at uh, Coinbase Prime. Yeah, we got to start the meme
10: to try to get uh, that to be like obvious for consumer protection to know how much Bitcoin's actually in there, but. That may be a fight. We'll keep fighting. But um, is it also true, Joe, that like any any funds earned um, from them lending out spot Bitcoin to people who want to short is all like essentially kind of profit held by BlackRock or the operator of a particular spot ETF? Is that
12: correct? So the Bitcoin they lend out to short is that what the questions about? Yeah. like, Do they keep all the profits that people paid to borrow? Yeah. Them? So so the, 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 the registration statement bifurcates between Bitcoin held in trust and Bitcoin held for liquidity purposes. So my understanding from reading it uh, the first time I went through it, and I didn't look at that part the second time, is that uh, my understanding was that they sort of segregate. There's two pots. There's the liquidity of Bitcoin, which it can go in and out much more rapidly with creation shares, and there's trust Bitcoin. So I think they can lend out only a portion of it. That's why there's some confusion on that point.
0: Don Bay, jump in there.
11: Hey, I was just going to say <clears throat> I'm very much aligned with Dr. Jeff on the on the uh, the overall outlook with, you know, just Bitcoin as an asset lining up. In a very, uh, um, you know, perfect manner for institutions to kind of get on board with everything with the having and, and, and clarification, all the stuff with the SEC. I I don't view that them kind of, you know, looking and seeing uh, whether they know it or not, seeing Bitcoin's potential in the way that Bitcoiners uh, that we see it, um, and uh, you know, again. Uh, Alex convinced me yesterday that they're not just filing an ETF to do a very short term, even though they know it's going to get denied. So I'm past that point. But, but I think, I think they're just looking at it as an asset positioning themselves. I agree very much with Dr. Jeff.
0: Um, I'm going to be stepping away for one second, Don Bay, please manage the traffic. Joe, you're next.
12: Yeah. So th- uh, thanks Dom. And thanks Alex. Uh, so let, let me just say this. Let's just say all the bullishness is, is correct and you do get the ETF greenlit, which I, I will go down firmly saying if that happens, I think you'll see multiple ETFs enter the space. I think it behooves us as Bitcoiners to really, really emphasize to people that even though you've got your brokerage accounts, which everybody's very really familiar with, and even though it's really easy to go click a button and buy the ETF just like you would any other stock, um, we really have to continue, into, especially in the next bull cycle, uh, to preach why you want to have self-custody, Bitcoin. I think that will be harder, right, for folks when people say, well, wait a second, I've got my Fidelity account, all my stocks are there, all my bonds are there. I don't need to worry about, you know, self-custody and learning a new new skill. I think it's so critical. And we, we have to already think preemptively, assuming it gets, gets through about the narratives of why we want self-custody, why it's important. And, and to me, those narratives can't all be about, well, the end of the world comes and, you know, the system breaks down and you won't have access to your money. I think it has to be uh, you know sort of a more modified pitch for a mainstream audience just my thoughts and how you have to approach this because it will be more challenging right it's going to be a lot more challenging when anybody with a brokerage account particularly a lot of uh, boomers who want to get exposure to the asset class can just click a few buttons and you know buy bitcoin on their their Schwab or Fidelity or uh, Ameritrade accounts
11: Joe that's a great point you know it came up in a space the other day that the ETFs and institutions getting involved is not like a, uh, touchdown dance. Like our work is done. Uh, if anything, as you mentioned, educating folks on self custody, teaching people about the value of not relying on a third party, whether that third party is a trusted institution that has good intentions, you know, telling folks that that's not always doomsday. Sometimes people just make mistakes. Businesses go down, companies collapse. Um, you know companies fail all the time uh, so so really looking at this as hey we got to continue to educate people on self custody get people to dig deeper on bitcoin and and see it as it was originally intended
12: um is really really important for sure yeah i would i always thought uh you know i was thinking the other day like what would satoshi think about an etf i think you know obviously he would for, foresee something like that coming at some point but the question is like you know, is that consistent with the intent of Bitcoin? I mean, is it supposed to be held in a pot for uh, financial institutions like that? And my guess is the answer is no, it's not. Now, it's great. I'm not going to poo-poo it and say it's terrible. It's obviously going to help the price of Bitcoin. Uh, and, and I think it will eventually help, uh, the, uh, you know, self-custody and explain to people, get exposure, you know, bit by bit. But really, I mean, we have to let people to explain you know, why Bitcoin is truly, a powerful, powerful uh, monetary asset and tool. And to me, like one of the biggest things that I've had success with privately with a lot of lawyers and folks I've talked to is just getting people not only to self custody of Bitcoin, but send Bitcoin transactions. Sending Bitcoin transactions is so powerful. Once you see that and they associate it with like sending an email and how it's like a unique digital, digital asset, what um, of a kind, you know, every Satoshi is accounted for. I mean, that's huge. And if we can figure out better ways to get that message across, uh, you know, showing people's transactions sent in real time, uh, to me, that's that's the ballgame.
13: I'm totally tracking with you, Joe. And I also think that the narrative will shift from the current narrative, which I would say Bitcoin, not crypto, is probably the, the, the most important narrative of today. I think we're going to see a resolution of that, uh, hopefully, within the next year or two or three. Uh, but I think it's going to shift to exactly what you're saying. Like, what is what is the true intent of Bitcoin, right? Is Bitcoin, uh, you know, in somebody else's custody the same as Bitcoin in your own custody? Why is that important? Why or why not? Um, so just totally tracking with you. I totally agree. Um, and I think it's, to me, that's going to be a much more fun discussion than this Bitcoin versus crypto and Bitcoin dominance and all these nonsense things that people talk about. Um, looking forward yeah, to yeah. that. Wait, wait, wait! wait.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. Why is Bitcoin dominance nonsense? We need to Uh, talk about this. There's a lot of people there.
13: Alex, don't. Okay. Just kidding. Okay. Doctor Jeff,
0: please explain to the people (laughs) why Bitcoin dominance is nonsense.
13: Most people mean well. Well, some people mean well, but I'm telling you, this is a narrative that comes out of the crypto circles because crypto marketers want you to think that crypto and Bitcoin are basically the same thing. They want you to believe that Bitcoin was the OG cryptocurrency and that all of these ones that have come since are better tech. So Bitcoin's cool, sure, uh, but it's slow, it's archaic, it's very limited in what it can do. Check out my new crypto of my dog coin that can just, you know, blow Bitcoin away, blah, blah, blah. And so they they like to talk about crypto a uh, Bitcoin dominance as this sort of kind of seesaw battle between, you know, there's Bitcoin, the, the OG, and then there's all the rest of crypto. And and, you know, yeah, you know, Bitcoin it, it can be pretty good, but but crypto, it's 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 rising again. And so I'm just saying this is an apples to oranges comparison but they like to make you think it's an apples to apples comparison so i don't like it when bitcoiners talk about that because it's giving credence to their philosophy that they're basically the same thing and as i say almost every day on twitter to somebody or i tweet out proof of work bitcoin and proof of state crypto have literally nothing relevant to do with each other they're just totally different assets they have totally different battles they have totally different outcomes um, don't think of them as the same thing. They are not the same thing. And if you if you talk about Bitcoin dominance, you're lending credence to that argument.
10: Yeah, and yeah. and like, uh, the other point, Jeff, with that too is just like it's such a, an apples to orange comparisons. Like you said, like if you have Bitcoin that's got a 500 billion market cap, and you have like DOT that has like five billion, it doesn't have like one one hundredth liquid the liquidity and parity. Like it's such a phantom market cap that's propped up by a couple market makers that keep it there. So you're comparing. Like a giant, you know, the giant uh, beast in Bitcoin that that has real liquidity globally on demand all the time with a bunch of kind of phantom market caps. So it's just like not even a a relevant comparison, to be honest, plus the other 20,000 coins that, you know, are worth like 80 million, 100 million. And it's just, you know, somebody dumps 50,000 at once and the thing cuts in half. It's just like kind of a joke.
13: If I can jump in before Ant goes, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I, think, I try to think of analogies all the time to help people understand this. To me, it's like comparing the sun to matchsticks, right? The sun is just this thing that's there that creates its own energy that's always there, that always will – not always, right? It, it'll someday uh, go away. But for billions and billions and billions of years, it, it's this huge heat source of, of nuclear uh, fission going on, right? And then, and then there's matchsticks. They, they light up quickly. They flame up. And everybody goes, ooh, and they look at them and and they want to put their money in there because they want to get rich quick. And then they fizzle out, they flame out, and they die. And so it's like when you compare that tiny little minuscule flame that – because because there is, there is some overlap, right? There's cryptography. There's blockchain. I get that. That's what they always throw back at me. And I'm like, I know, but they have nothing relevant to do with each other. I'll stop there. See, you're getting me worked up, Alex. Don't do
1: that. <laughs> You guys are right. I mean, it's a scam. It's an affinity scam, you know, to to steal relevance from Bitcoin uh, as a as a way to to make people believe that you know these coins, these shit coins that have come since, have value or can even be considered in the same breath as Bitcoin. You know, it's very simple. I've said this before, but once you really understand what Bitcoin is, and then you understand. What shit coins are, and you also understand about the crucial point around money supply metrics and how these things can be manipulated and or just diluted by continual, you know, creation of these shit coins. So once you understand that concept, then you can visualize like a swimming pool that is like filling quickly with like more and more shit and it's just overflowing with shit and it's continually coming in and then you take a gold coin and and you throw it in there now what is the gold dominance in that situation you know you look at that and and it starts to all break apart and you realize that these shit coins it's you know when you hear someone talk about bitcoin dominance your favorite influencers up there talking about it. it, it speaks to a lack of understanding of the technology, of money, of economics, of what we're doing here. So that's basically what it is. It's a scam.
13: Hey, Alex, can I do a quick plug, I'd like a 15-second commercial? Yes. I want to plug Ant's website called timechainstats.com. I'm telling you guys, like, so I'm pretty good at, at uh, the financial side of Bitcoin and maybe the f- philosophical side of Bitcoin, but I'm really terrible at the technical side. Like, that's just a whole different world and language that I don't speak. Antsite is awesome. Every day, I literally just pop it up on my computer and I just go through it and look at it and go through the stats and try to make sense of it, which is very hard for me because my brain doesn't work very well that way. Um, But I just want to give kudos to Ant for putting that up there for free. Uh, It is awesome. It's just a massive, massive amount of fantastic information. And I know that I only understand about maybe 20% of it. So I can't wait till I can actually understand, you know, closer to 50% of it. So just want to give a shout out to Ant. Thanks for doing that.
12: When API.
1: Soon. And I appreciate the kind words, Dr. Jeff. And if you do, for anybody who's listening, if you have a question of what some of these terms are, you know, try hovering over some of these items. Uh, you might be surprised there's some Easter eggs in there. So, you know, if you're if you're trying to figure out like, you know, what is this what does this mean? You know, hover over the, the label, hover over the text of, of what it is and see if it pops up for you. Joe.
0: Okay. Hey Joe.
12: Either. yeah sorry sorry uh I, I just just for a second for one thing real tangible for people to walk out of here with about the market cap and why bitcoin dominance is inherently flawed the thing in my mind to focus on the most important part about it is volume because ultimately the way market cap is based if there's one sale of one crappy altcoin okay they assess the market cap of that altcoin in accordance with all of uh of that one sale for a day right so like Volume and liquidity matter more in marketplaces than anything, in my opinion. So like when you look at like the volume of Bitcoin and liquidity found in the Bitcoin space and you adjust the market cap based on those two factors, Bitcoin dominance goes over 95 percent. There's been some you know, uh, amendments to that, but like you know, recently, like some recent revisions of what the true Bitcoin dominance is. But you can't look at a marketplace based solely on market cap because if there isn't liquidity and volume, that market cap is just an illusion it's just yeah one guy bought you know dogecoin 2.0 for a dollar coin but you know and there's x amount of circulating supply therefore the market cap must be x amount of circulating supply times that one sale that occurred but there's no liquidity for it so it's it's just a complete fabrication that's why the the dominance index is wrong
11: yeah joe when when warren buffett has his uh, shareholder meetings they don't pull up the penny stock market right and show how well they're doing against all the penny stocks
0: Yeah, it's just completely, that makes sense, though. It's a completely unfair comparison. Okay, we haven't done announcements yet. We're already almost halfway through the second hour. So let's hit announcements really quick, and then we will keep rolling. We should probably hit some stats. This is a beginner's Q&A day, so we should go over the stats, what the stats mean. If if you're in the audience and you want to come up and ask a question about Bitcoin, how it works, any any question you have about Bitcoin, uh, please come up. You can request to come up will be kind to you. Uh, I promise if you want to ask your question in text, you can do so in the Telegram chat, which is t.me forward slash Club. You are listening to Cafe Bitcoin, the place for your morning news, preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry. This is also a podcast on Fountain, Spotify, and, I, and Apple. Excuse me. Throw a follow to either myself or the blue Swan at Swan handle to be notified of when those drop. We have decided at Swan that we are going to be launching all media on Twitter uh, for the foreseeable future. So all of those um, media announcements and videos and everything will be coming from the blue swan handle. Okay. Pacific Bitcoin is coming up in October. That is going to be fantastic. I hope you guys are going. Uh, you can use promo code CAFE for a discount. If you're considering doing VIP, shoot me a DM. Happy to help you uh, and explain to you why that might be a good idea. It's very cool. I'll just tell you that. Uh, there's going to be lots of events. Women of Bitcoin brunch hosted by Nat Burnell. Pump it up at Pacific Bitcoin. It's going to be a, a rigorous beach workout um, and a Santa Monica brunch. There's going to be a Porsche racing, racing experience with CJ Wilson. That sounds really cool. Uh, there's going to be a pleb party, a VIP party, and an after party. Lots of parties. I mean, that's what we do with these things. What can I say? They're the best part. Like, my opinion, they're the best part. At Bitcoin 2023 down in Miami. I didn't actually go to any of the speaker sessions, any of them, like zero. All I did was hang out with Bitcoiners the entire time, and it was the best use of the time. I'm not kidding about that. All right. Some stats. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin episode 373. If you're around at the Bitcoin impenetrable freedom force field level is at?
1: I got 332 exahash per second estimated on the seven day moving average uh i got some other stats too the uh block height current block height or latest block height however you want to say it uh, uh we had 121 blocks in the last 24 hours and currently the fastest fee is 15 sats per v byte
0: okay it's going we down so what that what that means is the the, the in order to get into the fastest Possible block, you're paying fifteen sats per V byte. That goes up and down. Sometimes it costs more, sometimes it costs less, right?
1: Yeah. In the last block, the average fee rate was twenty two sats per V byte. You know, uh the average fee that people paid in the last block was <laughs> eight thousand seven hundred forty one sats. How so, many but, you know,
0: confirmed like, transactions are we at right now? Right now we
1: have uh let's see, three hundred thirty nine thousand one hundred thirty unconfirmed transactions okay so
0: that is still going up this is an interesting dichotomy so the fee the fee uh, for the fastest fee is is actually going down but the number of, of uh, unconfirmed transactions is going up why is this happening does anybody have any insight on that
1: well yeah I was just talking to a good friend about this yesterday or maybe two days ago because uh, you know that's the intuitive question it's like well we've got all these unconfirmed transactions but the fees are going down relative, so like to what we've seen, and there is something on mempool.space. It's really cool where you can see like a band of all of the fees, and I hope I'm getting this right, but you know you can actually see what's happening there. Like if you hover over the bands, you'll see like the different, basically the different fee levels that people are paying to get into the next block, and you know, basically like there there just aren't the high paying fees right now. It's just like these fees are what they are. And then there's a lot of little lobby fees down there uh, that are just not, you know, getting picked up right now. They're they're staying down there for a little bit. But, you know, to clear out. We got the next difficulty adjustment coming up in, uh, I guess, six days or so rel- uh, estimated. It, it says we're 57% to the next difficulty adjustment. And it looks like it's going to go down. Right now, the estimated change is down about 4%. So that's going to be, you know, it, it all kind of works together. And then we've got,
0: hold up, I guess, hold up. Let's in this vein, TC just joined us, and I think he wants to talk maybe about the Sats fee. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd love to TC add on is,
14: to what uh, Ant was just saying. Um, there, there's a there's a really interesting interplay, and if you pay attention to these things, you're going to really start to get a better feel for what's happening in MemPool. So we all remember when the fees were
5: what is insane. MemPool insane.
14: Mempool is, uh, well, there's actually plural mempools because every single node has a memory pool of unconfirmed transactions. They all sort of do this thing. It's actually kind of like a sort of gossip activity where as new transactions are broadcast to the network, uh, this information gets passed around to all the participating nodes. And nodes will try to store in memory the unconfirmed transactions. And then, of course, that gets updated every time there's a new block because a certain amount of those transactions were scooped up and put into the block. Uh, And this is just real time happening constantly. So when you're looking at these things, these are estimations based on the current moment. And if you stare at those fee rates, they will change. You know, one minute to the next, you'll, you'll see a different fee rate there. Because what it's essentially doing is it's looking at the pool of unconfirmed transactions and it's trying to assess, okay, let's look at the highest fees that are being paid out of these transactions in the pool. And those are you know, probably going to be in the next block because the miners is incentivized to scoop up as much fees as they can. So as people pay higher fees, more of the new transactions coming in are paying higher fees, trying to compete, trying to get into that next block. Well, the opposite is true too. We had insane fees a month ago and the fees have come down And so what you see is an increase in activity of people looking to get transactions in for cheaper. So this is what's happening right now, is because the fees are lower, you're getting more people optimistically trying to get their transactions in at even cheaper rates, thinking that the trend of the fees is going to continue to go down. So this is kind of what's happening You might have a quote right now of 15 sats per V-byte to get into the next block. you got a bunch of people who are saying, hey, let me try to get a 6-sat per V-byte or a 7-sat per V-byte or a 2-sat per V-byte transaction in because maybe that will go through now. Whereas a month ago, that had no chance of going through. So what you do see is you see an increase of some of this activity. There's been more ordinal inscription transactions recently. There's been people doing these stamps and other ridiculous stuff. There's been a ton of people consolidating UTXOs. I had fun doing that a little while ago for myself. And so you end up with just a flurry of more activity as the fee rates come down because people see an opportunity to, you know, get their transactions through for cheaper. So this is kind of what's happening. The 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 fee rate bans that Ant was starting to point to because there is a really cool graph on mempool.space that shows this sort of rainbow stripes of the fee rate, um, sort of like layers, where the bottom is the cheapest fee rates, so people trying to get in for one or two sats per vbyte, and then the next color is, you know, three or four sats and so on and so forth. And you can kind of see the breakdown of the transactions that are waiting to go through based on what fees they're willing to pay. And you see this very thin little sliver of people paying much higher fees at the top. So each time a block happens, that's sort of scooping up those transactions that are paying those higher fees. And you will appreciably see that fee rate drop right after a new block because suddenly those higher paying participants are scooped up. And so it's a very dynamic thing. It's actually really cool to try to keep an eye on, make sense of, paint a little mental model for yourself about what's happening here.
0: Okay, so TC, for those of you who don't know, because he's not up here all the time, but he does come up here on occasion. He's my favorite shadowy super coder. Very smart guy. Uh, Right, let's keep rolling with the the stats. Ant, what's next? Yeah, uh,
1: as of today, we... Uh, I believe bitcoin is uh, 5283 days old and we have about 309 days to go until the next halving because we are 78%
0: into this you know epoch we have That's be 000. in april we, we, let's go there's going to be a party in el salvador for the halving by the way
1: yeah we have uh, 44543 blocks left essentially which when you do the you know calculations and the estimates it comes out to uh, right now, and it moves around a little bit right now, April 26, 2024, uh, you know,
0: 78% there. Cool. Okay. And then finally, you can buy 3,357 sats per dirty fiat dollar. It's not too late. Might want to get some. Why? Because we have already mined a 92.42% of the total supply of Bitcoin that will ever be mined in the history of the human race. It's The first finite absolute finite asset the human race has ever seen. I think people underestimate the significance of that or don't understand it. It's like critically important. We've never, ever, ever, ever seen this before as humans on this planet. And I think it's going to change a lot about how we interact with each other. It's going to change a lot about how we behave. I think it's going to change a lot about how the economy functions. It's going to change a lot about how companies approach products that they're creating. For example, a lot of people who love apple they're all trying to tell me use apple get off those androids and get off those pcs and use apple because it's awesome well my understanding is apples are pre-programmed to reduce inefficiency over time <laughs> the batteries is no, no, still and- true
1: like they were sued before for forced, for what they call forced obsolescence or planned obsolescence and, okay. you know, I don't know that probably all these manufacturers are doing it. Who knows?
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I'm just picking on Apple cause I know it did like tweaks out the Apple folks. It, it's, it's a thing that lots of manufacturers have done for a long time, right? They, they, they design their stuff with the intention of it having a certain lifespan intentionally so that you have to buy new stuff to replace it. Like that's the whole point. However, in a world where our money You know, today, because the value of the money goes down so fast, people basically spend it as soon as they get it. Like, that's the whole nature of the system. They want that. They call it velocity of money. They want that, right? It's designed that way. It's designed that way, exactly. From the bottom up, it's designed that way. And what if you have a form of money that gains in purchasing power over time? Do you want to spend it immediately or do you want to save it? Does it change your behavior? Does Instead of buying that burger... Are you thinking, well, if I just save this, maybe I can buy two burgers six months from now instead. Hmm. Maybe I'll just save it. So it changes what you're willing to spend your money on. And then that changes the behavior, in my opinion, of the companies producing the things because the companies are now competing for the money of much pickier uh, participants in the economy, right? So it changes all kinds of stuff, and I, I don't I, th- I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we, we waste all kinds of resources nowadays unnecessarily. I mean, look at the landfills. They're full of crap that we throw away that if it was built to last for 20 or 30 or 50 years, maybe we wouldn't throw so much shit away. Right? I don't know. Am I crazy? What do you guys think?
11: No, you're right, yeah. Alex. I think about if I took all the money from every uh apple new charging device that i had to buy and i had you know purchased bitcoin i will be sitting next to michael Saylor right now
10: yeah
1: this is this is covered in the bitcoin standard a little bit when he talks about you know the author talks about uh just how fiatified everything has been you know now because of the you know like people don't put in the, the the proof of work anymore it's just like all super fiat microwave society, essentially. you know, they're trying to turn a buck really quick. everything's been. We talk about the shrinkflation. like it's all covered in there. And it's like the shrinkflation gets to these products. you know and and then it it becomes a mentality too. Like not only does the product break really quickly, like your lawnmower breaks. But instead of you like like I know for a fact, my grandfather would have fixed that lawnmower somehow some way, you know, but like your mentality is likely, There's a point where you go, "Ah, I'm going to go pay $300, $400 and just get another one. And that's like the mentality that they've got us trapped in now.
11: The hole in the pocket mentality where you're just buying junk, stuff you don't need.
0: It's pretty ridiculous. Brandon, good morning. What's up?
11: Morning, guys.
3: Yeah, morning, Alex. Uh, Yeah, when we say aligning incentives... You know, the companies, they're not so concerned anymore on a sound money on a Bitcoin standard because, because, like you said, Alex, their money continually goes up in value. They're less concerned going forward about, you know, the 90-day, you know, call, investor call and, and earnings. That starts to melt away because they're realizing, oh, if I produce one incredible product and I get said money, said Bitcoin for that, I actually get to enjoy the fruits of that over time as it grows in value instead of this consumerism where it's just, you know, kind of set it and, and just hope they come back in, in this obsolescence that we were talking about. So that's these aligned incentives. And we talked about, I think Dr. Jeff was talking about a day or two ago here, and it really is so profound. And it's it's something that's in the subconscious, I think, of humans. None of us generally think about it other than Bitcoiners, unfortunately, right now. But that's where that those incentives come in, and, and it totally reverses that whole effect of consumerism in these landfills, which I think, like you said, is a beautiful picture of the the credit-based, debt-based world
0: we're in right now. Yeah. The other way that Bitcoin changes you is that if if your money that you're saving is growing in purchasing power, then you shift from possibly a scarcity mentality to abundance mentality. And how does that affect you? Well, it changes your behavior again. Like, are you going to run as hard on that hamster wheel, ignoring your family, ignoring your kids, like just running on the hamster wheel and turning your kids over to the public education system where they're being indoctrinated by a bunch of Marxists because you don't have time because you're running on the hamster wheel. Or do you start to go, huh? Maybe I don't have to run so hard. Wow. I feel wealthier. I'm not as worried anymore. Um, maybe I can make better decisions. Maybe I'll spend some more time with my wife with my kids, or with my relatives, or maybe I don't need to put grandpa in the elder home because nobody has time to pay attention to him anymore. Wow. How would that affect humanity?
11: Yeah. And not to bring it back to a, a topic that we hammered out earlier, but when you look at something like BlackRock that is built not on what you're talking about, Alex, but on the Obsessive consumerism, profits, right? Just, just getting the money, spending it as quick as you get it. Do they see something like this? Do they? That's, that's. I think a, the source of a lot of our questions with a lot of BlackRock, like, what's the ultimate game plan? Uh, because if that's true, what you're saying, it, it is in direct opposition to the empire that is something like BlackRock.
3: they're on our battlefield. Now we have the high ground with both black rock. They could, they could do that with gold. And the Alex, you know, this well, right. I mean, that world every five years, JP Morgan, they're getting fined because of suppressing the gold price and silver. And they can't do that. That we we've in Fiat. We had the low ground. We are fighting a battle where we were aiming upward at a 45 degree angle at our enemy that had the high ground on us. That's Fiat. We now have reversed it. We've now taken over the high ground and we are raining down on them and that's BlackRock coming into Bitcoin. We now can audit things. You couldn't do that with gold and silver. Now we can do that. So FTX was, was a small example of what will happen with a BlackRock or anyone who tries to short these things going forward in the world. You might be able to get away for a while. You can you know fake reality for a little while, but eventually that pendulum swings back and you will not be able to do that long term on a Bitcoin standard. And these people will probably continue to find out. They'll fuck around and find out, like Wicked always says. And this will continue to happen. So now it's completely shifted. So the BlackRock thing is, is a great thing overall because these people are going to continue finding out what happens when you fuck around. And and then this goes in coming full circle to the aligning incentives. People start to realize, oh, shit, I have to shift how I'm thinking. I have to shift how I'm living my life in your brain, your neural pathways. new New pathways are being created because you start learning, oh, we're in a merit-based world now. I can't just do stupid shit and get away with it.
0: Okay, it goes there's that's a great point. It goes a little bit even deeper than that. Like uh earlier this week we were talking about how um well this is the first time in history that we human beings have basically been able to front run these these uh coordinated sort of financial institutions that have been kind of taking advantage of humanity for the last couple hundred years, really. Um and you know, the point was made that Bitcoin is the first time that uh that our assets can't be taken for, from us by force. Really? Like, first of all, we're front running these institutions in a way that's never happened before. But the point was made that like, well, you know, if you look at whoever front run front ran, um, groups in power, I mean, that could always be taken from them by force. Like they have, for example, the Aztecs and those different kinds of cultures who were, you know, worshiping and mining and, and gathering hordes of gold. while well, the superior force just came in in the form of the conquistadors and they just took it. They're just like, hey, ours. Well, now that's not possible because of Bitcoin. And it creates this really, really interesting effect where individuals finally have a means of power projection in the words of, you know, to put it in the Jason Lowry kind of context that we've never had before really, right? Because it's always been able to be taken from you. And that's no longer possible. It reminds me of like, there's a saying like, and this is a funny kind of saying, you may not find it funny, but I found it funny. is, is that like in, you know, Smith and Wesson had this campaign where it was like, you know, um, God created every man, but Smith and Wesson actually made them equal. <laughs> kind of thing. Well, Bitcoin actually for real, for real has made everybody equal because Even the power of a nation can't take your Bitcoin from you. There's people who are like, okay, well, what if they hold a gun to your head? Sure, sure, sure. They could hold a gun. But the point is, the point is, you still have to volunteer to give them the Bitcoin. Does that make sense? What I mean by that is, is I like, if, if, let's say I have some Bitcoin and I, and I have it for my heirs or whatever, and the government's like, okay, or whomever, like the conquistadors whatever, whoever that is comes in and they're like, give us a Bitcoin. Or we're going to kill you. It's like, okay, kill me. They don't, here's the amazing part. If they kill me, they don't actually get the Bitcoin. And if my heirs know how to get those or know the keys, know the seed phrases, guess what? They get the Bitcoin. So like this has never happened before in, in human history and it's profound in my opinion.
3: It's, it's diminishing returns, right? And people start to find this out. They're like, there's no point. Like you just explained Alex. So it was beautiful. And that's that's this diminishing returns where it doesn't make sense. There's no longer this point. Once people start really, truly understanding this and it's, this works its way through society that, hey, what am I trying to take from somebody? And oh, I can't actually take it from them because I have in self-custody or it's in multi-sig or whatever it is. I can't actually get it. There's no, There's literally no point anymore. Now you're just putting yourself in harm's way for nothing.
11: It's a, it's a great place to be, uh, for sure. But again, we got to get more people to have that outlook. Um, the work continues. I think, Brandon, we were talking about it in your space the other day. And, and you played hockey, right? We're like, I don't even know if we're in the season yet. But we're having like the things that got us here. You look back at the history, all the tests, all the battles, all the um, you know, commitment to the core values relentlessly through these challenges. And and then we're here. Um, We're not like at the championship game. We got to keep we got to triple down, quadruple down the work effort to help people, educate people. That's why this space is so awesome. Uh, Getting people on board to have that outlook and and strengthening, uh, you know, the core group.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's no time to sit on our laurels, excuse me. Uh, that is the mission, right? There's a lot of adoption that needs to take place still yet. Yeah. Dr. Jeff, do you have any thoughts on any of this stuff?
13: Uh, hey, sorry, I'm walking again now. Um, great stuff. I love it. And I totally agree with the things that are being said, right? And and just the, the fact that we just have to continue the education. You know, the, the crypto crowd... Uh, they want to tell you that Bitcoin is a boomer coin, and you know the things that they consider Bitcoin to be, uh, you know, major weaknesses of, of Bitcoin. It's its slowness, it's a lack of space, um, all, all that kind of stuff. Those are actually features; they're not bugs, right? It's decentralized and it's secure against nation-state level attacks. Like we're going to find out how important that is in the coming decade. So, very excited about it. Totally agree with everything That said. It's just about a matter of education. So, keep it up, everybody.
0: Yeah, I think that that's already happening, though, isn't it? Like, the with the SEC suing uh, Binance, suing Coinbase, they're going to have to become licensed securities exchanges. Um, The, the net result of that is they're going to be ordered to delist all of the unregistered securities, a.k.a. coins, that are not Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, we've been saying this for a long, long time. It's actually starting to happen, and there are still people out there who are in denial about it. They're like, oh, that's never going to happen. It's like... <laughs> Okay. You willing to bet your fortune on that?
13: And speaking of that, Alex, I've been going into these crypto rooms for the last year saying, you know, I used to be one of you guys, right? So I get, I get it. I'm not really coming down on them. I used to be a DJ and crypto trainer. I'm just telling you guys that regulations are coming. There is no guaranteed uh, you know, crypto hype cycle coming again. And these guys, even with the SEC's actions... There's still, if you can look around, there's still multiple rooms every day with many thousands of people in them. And they're still talking yep. about their favorite crypto. They're still talking about which coin is gonna go up a thousand X. And it's just such
14: nonsense. They're just such degenerate
13: gamblers, you know?
14: But see, can, yeah, these are... the same the same crypto influencers are pushing the same idea that there's this like well, there's this sequence and first Bitcoin and then the, you know, other major layer one cryptos. And then, you know, the, it's like they, they have the same kind of like theory behind how the markets respond. And it's, it's, not, very a convenient. Th- it's
0: not a theory. It's a con. What yeah, they're doing is they're conning people who don't understand network effects. Because all of these things have the deck stacked heavily against them to begin with. Because Bitcoin's network effect is essentially unassailable. You know, there was a time where you could have probably killed Bitcoin in the cradle. That time has passed. It is literally impossible to stop. It is the most powerful computing network on the surface of the earth. In the history of mankind, if you added every supercomputer together, it cannot dent the power of the network. And, uh, you know, so they have that that they have to overcome in order to overcome Bitcoin's network effect. And now, now... You've got the SEC coming in. That's basically going to crush all this stuff. It's just I don't. I just don't see how there's any hope for any of this stuff to even.
14: No, you're you're right, Alex. The point is though that there's a legion of people being tricked into the exact same thing. Again, of course, because they're being to- they're being told they're pointing at that Bitcoin yeah, dominance yeah, that course. you guys were, were talking to, like, about look, before.
0: To to, to Dr. And Jeff's point, they're saying is there's load up on
14: these things. It's crazy. No, –
0: There's rooms with thousands of these folks, right? Right. And here's the thing. This is how all cons work. All cons work this way. You know what the key requirement is for a con, a confidence game where they're scamming you to work? You know what the key requirement is? The key requirement is the person who's being scammed is to need and want it to be true. That's the key requirement. You're in a position where it's a, you know, you don't make that much money maybe, the prices of homes are skyrocketing. I mean, they've gone from whatever it was a hundred grand or 50 grand back in the seventies to a hundred grand to 250 grand to 500 grand to approaching 750 grand. It's not going to be long where the average home is over a million dollars. You've got younger people looking at that going, well, fuck bro. I work at Burger King. How the hell am I ever going to buy that house? And then what do they do? They're like, okay, well the only option available to me is a, freaking financial hail mary i need this to work god please let it work
13: 100%, that's yeah.
0: why it's happening
13: can i piggyback on that because i think about this all the time because government fiat currency is mathematically guaranteed to make you poor slowly people are desperate to get rich quickly Right? That's why crypto scams, that's why the lottery, that's why you know all forms of gambling are so popular because people are desperate to get rich quickly because they live these hamster wheel lives of getting poor slowly and that's mathematically guaranteed uh, on the fiat standard. So Bitcoin offers the exact opposite mathematical promise that people who are on the Bitcoin standard will get rich slowly, just over time. And so if you are, you're no longer desperate to do these stupid just dumb, stupid crap that people do uh, to, you know, waste their money in hopes, in you know, a one of a million chance that they're going to get rich quickly. All of this stuff just dies off because of that. And so it's just going to be a completely different world.
11: Speaking of that, Dr. Jeff, I got to go, Alex, maybe we get one for Pacific Bitcoin. We should get a camera and just go stand at a liquor store when people buy the lottery tickets and go, Hey, have you thought about Bitcoin? And they go, no, nah, I don't know what the, you know, That concept always, like, it baffles me that people, there are people out there that will completely discredit Bitcoin, and yet they're actively buying lottery tickets. I always, there's something there to that that's, like, fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting idea, for sure. All right, we got about eight minutes left in the show. Um, if there's anybody in the audience who has beginner questions about Bitcoin, we're happy to talk about those things with you. If you want, you can ask the question in text in our Telegram group. By the By the way, we're also posting all links that we are in the nest in the Telegram group from now on. So sometimes people listen to this as a podcast. They're not live in Twitter, so they don't. I get messages all the time. Then people are like, "Hey, what the hell is the nest? You keep guys keep talking about. It's a thing in Twitter Spaces where we can post links of interesting things that we're talking about. We're going to post all of those in the Telegram group from here on out after the show. So if you have, um, you know, you want to know what those things are, just join the Telegram. What is the most common basic question that you guys get? Let's hit that while we have a few minutes here. I know when you guys get to ask a question. There's a lot, right? There's a lot of different ones. <laughs> there,
11: there's a ton, everything from like what is it you what is bitcoin even question mark you're like whoa how do, we, <laughs> how, do we, how do we start with that like okay let's just start about explaining a ledger but um god they vary all over but yeah some some very entry-level ones like what even is the thing how does it work uh is it even a real thing uh um, okay
0: let, let's address that one because that's i think is pretty common a lot of people are like, well, it's not real, right? Like, how can I know and be confident that this thing is going to have value or and has value or like it's make-believe, right? This is like a made-up thing. It's not real. Who wants to take that?
11: I'll say one thing before someone else takes it on that. I always start with email as a great comparison because what even is email? And yet people use it every day and they rely on it, they communicate, they plan and all it is is digital code. And so I start kind of from something else that's digital that they already used and then work my way to Bitcoin and how that functions as digital money.
10: Yeah. I always give the analogy, Alex, to people where, you know, and cause they're thinking of Bitcoin in like a digital sense, obviously. And so it's like, I, I try to draw the, the, the distinct comparison between like how a photo works. I'm like, Hey, if I share you a photo, like you don't actually have it. You just have a copy of it and it's sort of like not there. It's kind of everywhere. And you know, in that you can kind of push people, I guess, towards understanding, like, you can get into like the, the, you know, down to like a single Satoshi and understanding like it's a fixed supply. No one's in control. No one can change that. Um, but what, one of the points I was going to bring up, if you don't mind, I mean, not to move off this, but another problem that always comes up is I think so many people, man, they hear that I'm talking to, I mean, probably five, six people in the last two weeks at this hotel I'm at they think being into Bitcoin or having Bitcoin means they're a day trader. And I think that's just because their intro to it is they're getting marketed by exchanges that want you to trade and take on leverage. And that's something to, I kind of have to deconstruct with a lot of people quite often is like, no, you're not going to become Dr. Jeff, like (laughs) be day trading tomorrow. If you start to acquire some Bitcoin and hold it for yourself.
1: Yeah. The truth is there are no guarantees, you know, it's, uh, it's, In some ways, a collective hallucination when something gains value, you know, but it's, I mean, you get to a point where, like, the, for example, like, well, I don't want to even say that, but you get to a point where once you kind of understand what the technology really is about, and you realize that you can go look all this stuff up yourself, and you start to understand the incentives that are nested together and in, you know, working together or in competition with each other. And then you get to a certain point where, yeah, these people will say, Bitcoin's not real, or I can't hold Bitcoin. I've heard that one. They'll say, well, I can't hold it, you know, which is false, but in some ways. But yeah, I mean, it's like they have in their minds that something digital can't be quote unquote real. But then you start going down that whole rabbit hole where, like, what is real? The dollars in your bank—is that real? You know, I know you can hold yeah. those little paper dollars, but like, what is that? You know, it's yeah, like that's, it, exactly that's also correct. a collective hallucination that's being forced upon us in a lot of ways. So yeah, at least in you, this case, you can go check it out for yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think those dollars in the bank are actual physical paper dollars? Because <laughs> they're not. <laughs> they're really not. Yeah. And things have value in the digital space. It's
12: true.
0: You know, I mean, so. Well, think about all the stocks in your portfolio. The average, you know, the typical person in the West might own some stocks. Some people own more than others. But it's like there are boomers who have maybe a million dollars worth of stocks in their retirement portfolios. And it's like, do you, are those tangible? And somebody will make the argument that like, well, you could issue a stock, stock certificate. Well, you could, but who actually the hell does that? Nobody. Nobody does that. 99.9999999% of stocks are held in digital form by DTCC or DTC, whatever the hell it's called, right? So also, that's nonsense. I
11: like, yeah, also, I, I, when these people hit the, that question, what is it even, I always resist the urge to unload on them like a bunch of information in an hour. I leave them with one or two things. You know, digitally, what is Bitcoin? Let them think about a couple things. Catch you later. Call me if you have questions. Instead of like the usual, let's sit down for two hours and start talking about block size. <laughs>
0: it's, the, it's the throw up on your prospect uh, method, right? That doesn't usually work. People don't like it when you're at the party and you're projectile barfing on them. Well,
3: like yeah, At some people, point you um, have to get past uh, the,
1: pretty... the... I was just going to say at some point you have to get past the valuation of things. You know, things may have value in that collective hallucination, but then you have to go down to the technology level and you have to recognize why you're valuing it. And something like does something digital have value? And then you start understanding about the innovation that Bitcoin represented with digital scarcity, being able to actually represent something in the digital space and have it be truly unique and verifiably unique. I mean, you, you you go down that rabbit hole very shallowly and your mind starts getting blown about the hole.
0: Yeah, okay. We're pretty much out of time. So we're going to do one more quick question and then we're going to wrap up here. Uh, Savatos, Savatoshi, good morning. Welcome.
15: Hey, uh, mine wasn't so much a question. I was going to uh, continue on the uh, the idea of is it real? And I was just going to say quickly that like, I started off as well saying, you know, Bitcoin is a technology, but I think that even that phrasing is wrong because Bitcoin is money. And why is it money? I mean, gold wasn't money because it was a rock. It wasn't because it was physical. Bitcoin isn't money because it's digital. So I think fundamentally we have to say, well, why is Bitcoin? Why is gold money? Well, gold's money because of these properties, and Bitcoin has those same properties. So it's just as real as gold. Because it's mm. the properties that define I actually disagree what it with is. That.
0: Which, which which properties do you mean? Why is which properties of gold make it? The
15: money? scarcity, the fungibility, no. No. the no. No.
0: no the expense no. of creating more units. No. no, disagree with all of that. Okay. Those are properties why, why is it then? Those are properties that make it attractive as money right? But that's not what makes it money. All right. If you study, you, you also study- need the
15: network effect, of course, and that's no. what makes something become money. Okay.
0: No, no, let me finish the, oh, I'm I, I say, let me finish while I'm interrupting you. But the point is we've gone over this many, 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 many times. And here's the thing. If you study monetary history, you study the common thread between all forms of money that human beings have ever used as far back as we have history to study. Do you know what they all have in common? There's one thing and only one thing, because they're all very different. We've got, we've got beads, we've got feathers, we've got cows, we've got slaves, we've got gold, we've got silver, we've got paper, we've got all kinds of things, right? What do they all have in common? There's only one thing. You know what that is? Two humans agreed. That's it. That's well, the that's, where,
15: that's why I was saying at the network effect, but like, I, I guess if I should have said there's well, good. Network money. effect
0: implies scale, right? So what I'm saying is, is that throughout all of history, Regardless of scale, the common denominator is agreement. That's it. Full stop. And so this is what so replace
15: so, so let's replace my word money. I appreciate what you say. So let's replace my word money with something else that represent, that represents the what makes money good. I don't know what that single word would be. But that's what I'm getting at is the technology or its physicality or, or the medium is not important. But
0: those it's, are two it's, different arguments. It's what arguments, the medium accomplishes you're you're conflating two different concepts one concept is what is money and what is money are two different things all right what is money is simple we agree that's it full stop okay what is good money now there's a lot of things that make something and
15: good that's what money i should have said is money. good money yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's what makes it real to me is is the fact that it can be good money it doesn't matter what the medium is whether it's a rock or whether it's a a uh, digital piece of code it's whether it satisfies those properties
0: yeah and now when you get to bitcoin now not only is it quote good money it's the best money that the human race has ever seen for many many reasons that we no longer have time to get into <laughs> but you know what's really cool about cafe bitcoin we do it every day <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow and we'll be back on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday we even do this on holidays Because we're on the damn mission. If you've been around here for a little while, you understand what that means. That's a wrap. We're pretty much done. Mm. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. The place for your morning news. Preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry. This is also a podcast on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, the sponsor of this show, my crew, Aunt Peter Sats for Life. Wicked producer Jacob. I'm your host, Alex Danzik, and I work with Swan. If you want to know more, shoot me a DM. Happy to help you. Thanks to the speakers, our crew. Man, these guys have been holding this thing down for a long, long time. We're at almost 400 episodes of this. Very consistent. I really appreciate you guys. Like the loyalty, the consistency, the hard work. Man, you guys are the best. All right. Um, why are they the best? Because they, they hang out here and they teach people all the time, man. Nobody here is paid except for Jacob. <laughs> Everybody else, I'm a volunteer for this show. Everybody else who comes up here and talks on the regular, we're all volunteers. Jeff comes up here, Dr. Jeff, he's one of the smartest guys in the space, man. He, he doesn't get paid to do this. And I admire that a lot. This is what we call getting on the mission. So thank you guys, all of you. Love everybody here. Thanks for your support. Thanks for listening to us so long for so many episodes. We have people who tell us that they've been listening literally for over a year. It's really cool. I appreciate all of it. Everybody have a great day today. Get out there and crush it.